Okay, so it's our last uh, Sunday in the Psalms, the mirror of our souls. We have been looking each week at a different psalm. And uh, today we're going to finish by looking at the end of the Psalms. And we named it Mirror of Our Souls because uh, the Psalms, they represent the collective hymns of the nation of Israel as they learned what it meant to worship the one true God. And yes, as a Christian, I believe there's one true God. And, um, and we serve him. And the Psalms give us language. They give us theology. They give us emotions. We've laughed our way through the Psalms. We've cried our way through the Psalms. Sometimes we've been a little academic and looked at theology in the Psalms. But in every case, what we find is that we do serve a God who loves us. That's what we find every step of the way. You may remember when we started in Psalm 1, we introduced the Psalms as kind of a literary sanctuary. And Psalm 1 and 2 are the gateway. It's opening the door into this wonderful uh, tabernacle, if you will, this wonderful temple of the Lord's presence. And we find all kinds of emotions raging throughout the Psalms. Some of you have been through here through those stories. And we started out in Psalm 1. We talked about the law, how uh, blessed is the one whose delight is the law of the Lord. And we went to Psalm 2, talked about the Messiah. We went to Psalm 5 and talked about... Uh, a lament psalm. That's the day that I told you the story of my first wife dying. And, and, and there we talked about every one of these psalms represents someone's personal reflection or story about this one true God. Every time you read them, realize that someone a long, long time ago sat down and wrote this down. And I don't even know if they always thought it was going to make it to today. That wasn't their goal. Their goal was to record for their own people the perspective of what was happening in their life and how they viewed God. And so we've been able to see God from a whole variety of different angles. Well, when we get to the end of this literary sanctuary, if you will, Psalm 146, 47, 48, 49, and 50, these conclude the book of Psalms. And then we're going to take a look at these wonderful Psalms. They all start, these last five Psalms, and end the same way. They start with a very simple phrase, Praise the Lord. And each one ends with a very simple phrase, praise the Lord. All five of them. You know what the Hebrew is for that? Praise the Lord. Anybody know that? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's say it together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's say it again. Hallelujah. 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 We're going to hear that all day long. In fact, uh, all morning long. And every time we finish, I'm going to have you say Hallelujah. That's the Hebrew for praise the Lord. So Psalm 146, and this is kind of building to a crescendo, if you will. He begins to add layers and layers on with each of these last five psalms. Psalm 146, he's going to talk about God, who is our king. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Do not put your trust in, prince, trust in princes, in human beings who cannot save. By the way, this is very appropriate for us right now. Uh, we have a lot of anxiety as a nation about this upcoming election, don't we? And uh, these are good words. Do not put your trust in princes, in human beings who cannot save. We serve the one true living God. It's okay. I encourage you to vote your conscience, but relax. Relax and trust the one who does know what's going on. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. 
I love those words. It also is true of me too, by the way. <laughs> Not just our president. That one day I'll be in the ground and my plans will be done. Blessed are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. He is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. This is the reason why we can trust God and we don't have to worry about what's happening. He made it all. He made it all. He upholds the cause of the oppressed. He gives food to the hungry. He sets the prisoners free. He gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. I always, every time I read that, it's all throughout the, the Old Testament. Just, you just picture those who are bowed with the pressures of, of life. Any of you feel that way? I bet a lot of you do. Trying to figure out how in the world do you save money? How in the world do you have enough to take care of your family? Those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. He watches over the foreigner, sustains the fatherless and the widow. And he concludes with the Lord reigns forever for you, for God, O Zion, for all generations. Hallelujah. Let's say it together. Hallelujah. Now listen to these wonderful words in Luke. When Jesus came and he stood up in the synagogue for the first time, when the Messiah came and he decided to stand up, the very first thing he did is amazing. The very first thing he said. Jesus went to Nazareth, I'm in Luke 4, 16, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. Now, it's a scroll. It's not like a Bible with verse numbers and chapters. It's not that way at all. He takes a scroll, and he begins to unroll it. And he's looking along, looking along. Look, ah, there is the word I want right there. And these are the same words we just found in Psalm 146. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down, and everybody was looking at him, wondering what's he going to say. And he said, Today, today, this very second, this is fulfilled. And so you see Psalm 146 is pointing us to Jesus. Because Jesus, this one true God, upholds the cause of the oppressed, gives food to the hungry, sets the prisoners free, gives sight to the blind. He lifts up those who are bowed down. He loves the righteous. He watches over the foreigner. He cares for the fatherless and the widow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isn't that great? Praise the Lord. Psalm 147. He brings in the community now. We've added a layer to it. How good it is. Oh, it starts off with hallelujah. How good it is to sing praises to our God. How pleasant and fitting to praise him. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the exiles of Israel. Oh, here it is again. He talks about people. He heals the brokenhearted. He binds up their wounds. I said last week, if, you are, if you're brokenhearted right now, just be patient. Just be patient. You're so close. You're so close. Don't give up yet. 
And then he moves from there to creation, just like he did in the last psalm. He determines the number of the stars. He calls them by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. Verse 8, he covers the sky with clouds. Wow. He supplies the earth with rain. Mark just said, mission accomplished. <laughs> Lord, you could give us a couple more hours. That's all we need is a couple hours just to party and have fun. He makes grass grow on the hills, and then he switches to animals. He provides food for the cattle. Verse 10, his pleasure is not in the strength of the horse, nor is his delight in the legs of the warrior. Uh, verse 14, he grants you peace to your borders. Boy, that's appropriate, isn't it? Let's remember who grants us peace. Is your faith in the fact that currently we have the strongest military in the world? That's what it was with the first century Romans. Is that where your faith is? Or is your faith in the one true living God? He is the one who grants peace to your borders. So he's moved from people to creation to animals to nations. He is the one who satisfies you with the finest of wheat. He has done this for no other nation. They do not know his laws. Hallelujah. Let's say it together. Hallelujah. And then in Psalm 148, he goes beyond the community and moves to the cosmos. I just love these words. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights above. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his heavenly hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens, you waters above the skies. Let them all praise the name of the Lord. This is all caps. This is his name, this one true living God. Let all of them praise this God. For as his command, they were created. He established them forever and ever. He issued a decree that will never pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, the great sea creatures, the ocean depths, lightning, hail, snow, and clouds, stormy winds that do his bidding, you mountains and all his hills, fruit trees, cedars, wild animals, cattle, small creatures, flying birds, kings of the earth. Let all the nations, all you princes, all the rulers on the earth, young women, men, old men, children, let them all praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say that again. Hallelujah. This would be good for our government to read. Right? It would be good. Kings of the earth, all the nations, the princes, all the rulers on the earth. Everything. Let everything praise the Lord. Everything. Let them all praise the name of the Lord, for his name is alone is exalted. His splendor is above the earth and the heavens, and he has raised up for his people a horn, the praise of all his faithful servants of Israel, the people who are close to his heart. You know what we learned from this? True praise, not politics or military, is where we demonstrate our power. It's through true praise. It's not about our politics. Is that important? Yes, it is. I live in the same country you do. You bet. I have the same concerns, joys, fears that you have. I'm watching the same story that you're watching. But I remind myself every day that our true power is expressed in our, in our praise, 
not in our politics. Let's remember that. Oh, yes. How does it close? Let's say it again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is the God that we serve. Then we move to Psalm 149, which is a victory song. Now, I understand that this is language that makes us a little uncomfortable, but it didn't make them uncomfortable. Remember, they, the, one of the ways that they, they saw their God in action, they lived in a very hostile and dark world. And one of the ways they saw their God in action was through the demonstration of his power and military. And so God said, I didn't choose you, Israel, because you were the largest nation. I chose you because you were the what? The smallest nation. So therefore, he had to defend them militarily because the primary view of the world, philosophy of the world is real simple. You have what I want. You're bigger than I am. My God's bigger than your God. And I'm going to take what you have. That's the way it was. And so God expressed himself militarily. So when you come on over to verse 6, may the praise of God be in their mouths, double-edged sword in their hands, to inflict vengeance on the nations, punishment on the peoples, to bind their kings with fetters, their nobles with shackles of iron, to carry out the sentence written against them. That is the glory of all his faithful people. That's the world they lived in, that God would, would show his glory by helping them defeat their enemies. They didn't have the same ethics we have today. They would kill their enemies. We actually do that. We just don't want to. Okay? They, they would do that. That was a sign of victory. That's how they knew that God was on the throne. All right. As you move into the Old Testament, picture this imagery that this concept of war, what we see in the Old Testament, this concept of war, it gets replaced with something really wonderful. And it's the concept of victory but it's not expressed through war. So we capture a glimpse back here in this early, early language of what this warfare was really all about. It's not about bloodshed. It really, truly is about victory, but it's a different kind of victory than they could have ever understood. Ooh, I see the sun peeking out. I'm about to take off my coat. (laughs) So... Hallelujah. (laughs) I heard it up here. Yes. Somebody else from Florida. It's got to (laughs) be. Summit County. County. (laughs) So what's behind the concept of warfare, which is the only language they understood, but what's behind it is the concept of true victory. And when you move into the New Testament, you see what this victory looks like. It replaces bloodshed. So what did Peter, what did Jesus say to Peter when he drew his sword? Just put the sword away. Put the sword away. What did Paul say in Ephesians 6? Our struggle is not against what? Flesh and blood. If you're a Republican, the Democrats are not your enemy. If you're a Democrat, the Republicans are not your enemy. Okay? If you're a Baptist, the Catholics are not your enemy. I know it surprises some of you. If you're a Catholic, the Baptists are not your enemy. Our struggle really is not against flesh and blood. It's against something far more hideous, far more evil, far more heinous. That's why we needed Jesus to say, it is finished. Isn't it? 
because we do not have the ability to defeat the evil one. But greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And so this language here, while it's expressed in military language, don't miss the intent. What we are after is victory, which God has won through his son Jesus. That's what he's won here. And so we have Ephesians 6, take up the sword of what? Sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. This is where we find true power, not in military strength. And we begin to look at a new song. He talked about a new song in Revelation 5. He talked about at the beginning of this song. We have a new song. And you know what that song is? We will win the battle by praising Jesus. We'll win the battle by singing praises together. They may take our life, but they're going to lose. True power comes through following the Lord. It doesn't come by having the strongest military. Am I glad we have the strongest military? You bet. I'm a veteran. I served the United States Navy. I'm proud of it. I'm glad we have that. But I recognize that it's the one true God whom I serve. He is the one. Let's not forget that. Let's not forget it. True victory has already been accomplished. Thank you, Jesus. Or, how does the song close? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Which means praise you. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Which is the shortened form of God's name, Yahweh. Praise you, Lord. What does Jesus' name mean? Yahweh saves. Jesus. Exactly. Jesus. I love it. That's his name. Yahweh saves. Praise you, Jesus. And then we come to Psalm 150, which he's now talking about joyful worship. This term, hallelujah, is used 13 times. I'm not going to make you say it 13 times. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with harp and lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of the cymbals. Praise him with the resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 And we come to the end of the Psalms. The Psalms started with a heavy emphasis on lament. We looked at Psalm 3, we looked at Psalm 5, we looked at Psalm 22. A lot of struggle, brokenheartedness. We move into the Psalm 110, 116, one, in that place 118, and we begin to see the image of the Messiah being displayed there in his glory, this Messiah who's coming to rescue us. His name is Jesus. And then we get to the end of Psalm 150, and it's all focused on praise. That, my friends, is the story of the gospel. Psalm 5, lament. The gospel is the story of a lament. We are in trouble without the Lord stepping in. We have no hope. And by the time we get to the end of our experience, we've been rescued, haven't we? By the one true God. The Psalms are laid out in a very similar fashion. 
So they end with all of creation raising its hands, praising God. Yes, for the cold and the rain and the storm and all of that. Everything is praising God. This is the true gospel. There's a complete abandonment of everything except true worship. That's where we end up. There's an emphasis on emotion. Far more than an emphasis on reason. We start in the beginning explaining things. Your delights in the law of the Lord. And we end with throw it all away and just raise your hands and worship. That's how great the Lord is. Hallelujah. 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 One more thought. We'll end with this. The command, hallelujah, to praise the Lord. It's a command to praise the Lord while you're praising the Lord. You're fulfilling the command the very moment you say it. And yet it expects something into the future. Right? The moment you say praise the Lord, you're doing it. And yet you haven't done it. Does that make sense? You praise the Lord by saying it, but you're propelling yourself to the next time to say it. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's pray. And as we move into a time of response, yeah, we take the offering. And yes, we do communion. We're going to sing music. And I want you to sing the whole time we're doing it. It's okay to stand. It's okay to kneel. It's okay to put your arms in the air. It's okay to bow your head. Whatever your traditions are, whatever that is, I want you to worship the Lord during this time. Because you know what? Paul says giving is an act of the worship. When we give, it's an act of worship and it's an expression of the gospel. When we celebrate communion, that's an act of worship. We do it together. That's why we all come together. So you get a chance to sing. So let's sing throughout this whole period of time. Father, thank you. Father, to you we say hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We praise you for all that you are, all that you've done, for the way that you love us, you care for us in all of our different aspects of life, from when we're, things are going well to when things are really a struggle, to when our hearts are broken to our hearts are mended and healed. Lord, when our relationships are going wonderfully and our relationships are struggling and sometimes failing. Father, when our children are obeying and when they're disobeying, Lord, when, when our friends follow you and they turn their back on you. Lord, when our country seems to be in the middle of turmoil and strife and division and it makes us nervous and we see all that. Lord, when we see conflict and, and disasters all around the world, during all of that, we can pause and say hallelujah because we trust you and we praise you. Thank you for that. In your son's name we pray, amen. Can I ask the ushers to come and take the offering? So sing, sing. The splendor of the King, the majesty, let all the earth rejoice, all the earth rejoice.
Again, for those of you that are visitors, the way this works is we're going to invite everybody down. You're going to be singing while you're coming down. We're going to celebrate communion together. Some of us up here, different places, won't have a tray to serve you with. We're there to pray. So if you want to stop and praise God for something, lift something up, a prayer request that you have, uh, come to one of us and we will pray. We'll have people on either side, okay? Um, for those of you that are up top, we have people up there to serve you as well. So uh, just be patient up there, and you'll have somebody serve you there. But you know the communion story? It's a wonderful story. It's, it is the story of the Psalms. Everything we've read points toward Jesus. He cares about each of us. He cares about our brokenness. He cares about the lives that we live, the struggles that we have, the joys that we experience. He cares about all of it. He wants to redeem all of it. On the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. I'm giving my body for you, each of you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he took the cup, the wonderful cup, and he said, this cup is the new covenant. Everything that the Old Testament pointed toward, the new covenant, an entirely new way of relating. Do this in remembrance of me. That's his way of saying, I remembered my promise. I came back for you. Emmanuel, God with you. I did not forget my promise. Now you remember me. So I'm going to invite you to come serve communion. And we have a couple of things to say when we're finished. Father, thank you for sending your son. Jesus, thank you for for coming and dying for us. Thank you for that. And uh, we lift you up and honor, exalt you because we know who you are. You are the one true God and we are grateful. Hallelujah. In your name we pray. Amen. Come in and celebrate communion together.
the darkness. 